oftentimes the problems in the bedroom are just the result of problems outside of the bedroom. If you're not emotionally connected, you're not going to be physically connected. If you're not spiritually connected, you're not going to be physically connected. If if you're not good friends taking care of one another, you don't feel safe being together. And so oftentimes people are like, I want more sex. And the other person is saying, I'd like more marriage. I'd like mm-hmm. more relationship. I'd like more connection. All right. Uh, Mark and Grace Driscoll here. Welcome to the uh, Real Marriage Podcast. We're doing a series of special episodes where we answer your specific questions and uh, it's really weird. It, they're always about sex. And so <laughs> I'll just tell you, people are you're very in a lane. So um, it's either you, a guy asking because he wants us to tell his wife or a wife asking because. <laughs> anytime you. So you tell him what the question is. <laughs> How often should a married couple have sex? And, and usually there's one of two people asking it. The one who wants more, the one who wants less. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so is. Um, does the Bible give us a number? No. It doesn't. Bummer. Because there's a book of numbers. <laughs> I was hoping it was in there somewhere. So, uh, do you want to answer this or you want me to? Well, 1 Corinthians 7 oh, kind of answers go Bible it. On it. Okay, you're going to go Bible <laughs> on it. All right. How often should a married couple have sex? Uh, 1 Corinthians 7 says, Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Okay, so what is that? <laughs> they still want a number. <laughs> These are very practical people yeah. tuning in. So, well, every, I mean, there's a, there's a percentage of people that are hoping for double digits, <laughs> you know? I mean... <laughs> It, there's a lot of factors that go into that number. <laughs> okay, like what? What would be the... Well, the Bible doesn't give us a number, so we cannot give a number. But again... Sure we can. The, again, this Pick is... Pick a number between a 27 question. and 34. Yeah. That if you aren't able to talk about it in your marriage, then that's probably why you're asking. <laughs> and so we're not going to give... I'm not going to give a number, <laughs> but I'm going to say, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. but I'm going to say that you need to mutually agree on that number and continue to work on if you're, you know, not as often as one partner likes, you need to continue to work on increasing that number. Um, but again, you need to consider each other. And a lot of times if there's fear or coldness or um, lack of desire, there's something underneath that that needs to be healed often. Um, and so if the wife is um, hesitant or cold, um, she might have trauma that she needs to work through. She may have fears of the unknown that she needs to work through. Um, she may just need to have more prep time with the husband to feel more ready um, and considered. And so that all contributes to the number of times. Um, but talking through that and coming to an agreement and then continuing to work on that number and not just getting set on that number for the rest of your marriage, um, it's it's for both of you. And I think that's where um, oftentimes we stereotype or can feel like it's just for the man or just for the woman. Usually it's usually felt like it's just for the man, but it's not. It's for both. God created it for both of us to enjoy. And so figuring out how to get to that place where you both are enjoying it 
as often as you both are enjoying it. And then sometimes we serve the other person if they're in need of that and maybe we're not feeling it, but we're still, we still need to be willing to serve that person um, if that's a desire and not deprive them. And then it talks about maybe if, if you both need to work through something and pray through something, but then coming back together so that you're not the devil doesn't tempt you beyond what you're able to, you know, handle. And then you end up lopsided in your marriage, um, emotionally or physically cheating. Um, and so it's very important to talk through this and, um, and not be domineering from either side about this, but to really talk through and consider this number or these opportunities um, it really doesn't boil down to a number. It really boils down to considering and loving one another. And that should reflect often if that's the case. So um, marriage is two things in the Bible. It's covenant and consummation. Mm-hmm. And, and, then, um, and then within marriage, the, the expectation is that there would be a sexual relationship. You read 1 Corinthians 7. Some of the translations, it's not my favorite translations, but it'll say, conjugal rights yeah that just feels sterile that yeah that feels very clinical i'm not a you know i mean i, I think it doesn't we, feel love if we call this the conjugal <laughs> rights podcast yeah I, i'd shudder to think of the people who would subscribe um but but within that there is an assumption that that uh, sex is for marriage and a sexless marriage is not a healthy marriage Mm-mm. and and so within marriage, I would say it should be free and frequent. Free meaning, you know, there's a little bit of variety and mm-hmm. exploring and just like every other element of the marriage, like if all you're doing is eating the same dinner and, mm-hmm. you know, um, going on the same vacation and um, saying the same, saying the same thing <laughs> for 30 years mm-hmm. and you haven't made any progress, I don't think there's a lot of freedom there. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of forward progress. The goal should be, you know, progress forward in all areas of the marriage. Um, you should be praying together better. You should be serving one another better. You mm-hmm. should be, you know, taking care of one another better. You should be making love to one another better mm-hmm. as the marriage progresses. Um, and then the frequency, I, I think there's a number of variables, um, but the average young married couple is depending upon the statistics. And, you know, here's what we know. Statistics are usually wrong. Um, But the average young married couple is two to four-ish times a week. So let's say every other day is kind of typical for a newly married couple. As a couple gets older, it tends to be less frequent. Uh, Sometimes because you get kids and you're exhausted and Got a lot going on, and if you if you are twenty and you're listening to this podcast, I'll just tell you that fifty is not more energy. Um, just so if you got some things you to also do, also have a lot more ailments at fifty than you did at twenty. Oh, my back is killing me right now. And you say, "Well, what did you do?" I slept. Sat here. I slept. I got a I got an injury while sleeping. And a bed is such a simple thing; it doesn't even come with instructions. They just assume you're going to figure it out. I heard myself sleeping. So. But then there are, um, but then within that too, there are a lot of people that have secrets. So in addition to the times that they're with their spouse, they're self-pleasuring, they're using toys, they're committing adultery, they're using pornography. 
And so they're, they're probably having sex with their spouse a certain number of times, but that only reflects a certain percentage Mm -hmm. and their secrecy. And so, you know, when the Bible says that you're to be one flesh, it means that whatever you're doing, you need to be doing it together and you need to be aware of it. There shouldn't be secrets within the marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, In addition, there are seasons and maybe talk about this even just practically in life. What are some seasons where what was normal sexual activity is not possible in the season? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, military or military travel. deployment, travel mm-hmm. for work. Yeah, having kids, sicknesses or injury, you know, surgeries, physical whatever. problems. Mm-hmm. And or sometimes you have little kids and they're just up all night and mm-hmm. you're exhausted. Mm-hmm. And just just don't don't want to do anything other than just snore. Yep. Um, but then we need to make sure in addition to secrets and seasons, we got to make sure that there's not selfishness. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the heart of what first Corinthians seven is going at. And there are two ways to be selfish. One is because in most marriages, they have different sex drives. Mm-hmm. One partner is high sex drive and the other is low sex drive. Mm-hmm. And usually the high sex drive person thinks the low sex drive person is not healthy mm-hmm. and the low sex drive person is thinking the exact same thing <laughs> about the person. Cause what we tend to think is I'm normal. And if you're different than me, mm-hmm. you're abnormal, you're weird. There's something wrong with you. And you can go into your doctor. If you have low sex drive and just ask, do I have a hormonal problem? Mm-hmm. Do I have a physical problem? And particularly, I'm not going to speak about women's biology because. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> But you can, like, as a woman gets older and her hormones and I don't know what all it is, but it seems complicated. Yeah, well, we don't need to get into details about that, but just check with your doctor. <laughs> Good. And or if you're a guy who gets older and you've got performance issues, go and talk to your doctor. Like, am I healthy? Mm-hmm. Is there a physical problem? Do I have low testosterone? Are my hormones off? Mm-hmm. I mean... And, and sometimes there's a, there's a real, there's a real issue that needs to be addressed and, or though too, we both got to check our heart and just ask, am I being selfish mm-hmm. or am I being a servant? And a servant says, I'm going to do what's best for you. And a selfish person says, no, you're going to do what's best for me. And mm-hmm. we're all selfish and we're all needing to learn to grow, to be servants. But at the end of the day, if if it always feels like a win-lose, like the same person keeps winning and the same person keeps losing, then I think you are doing what 1 Corinthians 7 says, and you're leaving opportunity for demonic attack and or bitterness and temptation. Mm -hmm. And that can mean if the person that wants more sex is always winning and the other person is always losing, that can embitter the person like, hey man, you don't really consider me, you're selfish. You always get what you want, you don't really ask what I want. Or vice versa, the person who has a lower sex drive is selfish, and then they control, Mm -hmm. and the other person feels like, man, I I would like more, but that just never happens because you really are in charge here, and this isn't a partnership, this isn't a mutuality or a joint service, Mm -hmm. this is you're in control, and I have to play by your rules. Mm -hmm. And so part of the point in marriage is you really want to be one, and that means you've got to, at certain times you've got to serve the other person and then they've got to serve you in return. And sometimes that is, you know, in a moment, sometimes that's just in a season. Yeah. And 
uh, as Grace said, if you just had a kid or there's a physical injury or ailment or something, you know, it's like you're going to have to be a servant. And that means you're going to need to have self-control and you need to consider your spouse and that this is not a normal season. Um, And then, too, there are so in addition to secrets and seasons and selfishness, there's also struggles. If, If part of your high sex drive is that, you know, you've got a pornography addiction. And so you're, you're just constantly sexualized. Well, your, your desires aren't healthy because they're, they're instigated and motivated by something that's unhealthy. Mm -hmm. It's not making you one. Yeah, it's not. And, or if your low sex drive is because you were sexually active and you have a lot of condemnation around your previous sexual activity and, or, um, you're a person who had abuse or trauma and it's not healed up. And as a result, you, you, you're sort of timid or um, fearful or guarded sexually with your spouse. Well, then you got to work through that struggle to get to whatever your healthy place would be. And I think you said it too, but ultimately oftentimes the problems in the bedroom are just the result of problems outside of the bedroom. Yeah. If you're not emotionally connected, you're not going to be physically connected. Mm-hmm. If you're not spiritually connected, you're not going to be physically connected. If if you're not good friends taking care of one another, you don't feel safe being together. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes people are like, I want more sex. And the other person is saying, I'd like more marriage. I'd like mm-hmm. more relationship. I'd like mm-hmm. more connection. Um, but what would you say, honey, to those marriages that are basically sexless marriages? And this is a growing percentage of the population a sexless marriage is usually a marriage where they have sex once or twice a year or less i mean it's it's we can say that there's not a number that needs to be set but i would say there is a number where that's not a healthy marriage that's concerning right that's concerning mm-hmm. yeah like if we talked once a year like that's mm-hmm. probably not the best marriage mm-hmm. Uh, if we had a date night once every 18 months, I would say it's probably, I don't know if the Bible assigns the number of dates we need to go on, but mm-hmm. there's a certain number where you're like, that's not healthy. And so at least um, on that level of if you're not having sex, you know, if, if the intermittent periods between your sexual activity are this great, what would you think that would indicate there's a problem there something's something's wrong yeah i mean the amount of sex you have doesn't necessarily determine that you have a healthy marriage if you're frequent but it also can determine if you're infrequent that it is a very unhealthy marriage because basically if you're not sharing that level of intimacy on a regular basis whatever that is for you um, you're just friends you're not really one flesh you know the way god intended to leave and cleave and become one flesh. And that was God's intention for marriage and to, you know, sometimes enjoy the blessing of a child out of that. Um, But yeah, I think we have to be really careful not to get stuck in those ruts. If you find yourself starting to go that direction, quickly stop, have those conversations, pray, get help where you need it, and then pick back up on starting good habits. Um, I mean, I know people that haven't had sex in 10 years, 20 years. I know pastors that haven't years. had sex in decades, and yeah. they're still in the pulpit, and they're teaching premarital mm-hmm. classes. And and they their marriage is not healthy, not because they're not having sex. That's merely <laughs> the result of an unhealthy marriage. Um, and so that's tragic. That's not 
that's not the way God intended. Um, and so I think we have to really take that seriously. It's not just a, a get to, it's a, this is what God designed us to do together and to connect at that deepest level. Well, and there's two ways to sin. There's sins of commission and mm-hmm. omission yep. and sin of commission would be like adultery. Mm-hmm. So uh, sin of omission would be a sexless marriage. Mm-hmm. And what we tend to do in the church, we tend to really come down strongly on people for sexual sins of commission mm-hmm. and not really sins of omission. Mm-hmm. So there are couples that don't date, they don't have sex, they don't they're just kind of roommates. They have they're divorced without the paperwork. Yep. And we don't really say anything because it's somehow um sins of omission are not as offensive or as troublesome, but they are they are a problem. Mm-hmm. And and maybe in closing you did start with the first Corinthians seven where you know, do not deprive one another, but by mutual consent, mm-hmm. perhaps, and f- and so it's not required, but it's yeah. permitted for a season. Like we're going to take a few weeks, go to counseling. I'm going to take a month and I'm going to meet with my doctor. Um, we have a broken area of our marriage that we need to get with a Christian counselor and we need to heal up. So it's an intentional season not to ignore one another and not to punish one another, but to fix a problem so yep. you can go back to healthy and normal. Work on something. And, and it says uh, in that time, it's prayer. Mm-hmm. And that's asking really for the Holy Spirit to give self-control mm-hmm. and wisdom and healing. And it says, otherwise, Satan is going to enter into the marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some ways if the sexual relationship or frequency between the husband and the wife isn't healthy, what are some ways that Satan starts to enter into the marriage? Resentment, bitterness, wandering eyes, wandering heart sense of entitlement. If you're not going to take care of me, mm-hmm. I have a right to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. So a sense of entitlement, which leads to sin Yep. and just plain old school bitterness. Yep. And just the Holy Spirit brings to mind, it's in Hebrews, I think it's twelve fifteen. It says, uh, see to it that no root of bitterness grows mm-hmm. up and by it, many become defiled and become sexual, immoral and unholy. Yep. And there in Hebrews, it connects bitterness to sexual immorality. sexual immorality and adultery. Mm-hmm. And what that is, is you're not taking care of me. I have a right to get my needs taken care of somewhere else. Uh, you've neglected me. And so now you owe me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what most people don't understand is that under, according to that scripture in Hebrews, underlying adultery is oftentimes just bitterness mm-hmm. and bitterness is literally, form of vengeance. it is, it is literally inviting Satan into the marriage because, because, mm-hmm. God does forgiveness. Satan does unforgiveness. And as soon as we say, I'm going to do unforgiveness, what you are saying is I'm going to invite Satan. If you invite forgiveness, you're inviting the Holy Spirit. Yes. And so if you're at a point in your marriage where there's bitterness about the frequency or the freedom in your sexual activity, you're already in a dangerous place Mm -hmm. that Satan is already whispering in your ear and whispering in their ear. And uh, you probably need to have an honest conversation about, okay, how are we doing? Where are we at? You know, we need to prayerfully discuss what healthy would look like for us. And if you just can't agree on that, you're just at loggerheads, you need to pull in a professional, like Mm -hmm. a professional Christian counselor. Mm -hmm. And they need to look at one person and say, you know what, your sex drive and desire and expectation, it's unreasonable. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a clinician. I, I know what life is. They may need to look at the other person and say, you're just not healthy. And mm-hmm. what you think is a healthy sexual marital relationship 
isn't. Right. Um, and and let them come into your specific circumstances because what what almost always happens when this question is asked, and it's always asked, what someone wants is they want the power to get their way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Whether that's more or less, they are looking, and this is where this question gets answered by a lot of different people. And people will pick which answer they like, depending upon which outcome they're trying to manipulate. Mm -hmm. And so we're not going to do that. Nope. (laughs) But the number is? Regular. (laughs) Okay. If you got a question, send it in to hello at realfaith.com.